to Standing on Our Heads. My name is Matthew Thorpe, and I'm with my co-host and father across the Zoom universe over there in Mexico, Mitchell Thorpe. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. We've had some crazy weather down here, but everything is looking okay today. Right. Yeah, you just had a, was it a tropical storm, or well, I'm not sure what they're called on the West Coast? Uh, it was... Uh, it was either a tropical storm or depression, but it brought a lot of rain and a lot of flooding mm-hmm. in the community where I live. About 10 or 12 restaurants were washed away. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it was it was pretty bad, but the bar that we own uh, had a lot of water inside, but mm-hmm. we got it cleaned up, and I think we're doing pretty good. But another storm apparently is on the way. I really should check the weather more often. Yeah. It came as a total surprise. Right. Well, that's that's um, living in Brooklyn. All of our bars and restaurants are have only outdoor. And yeah. so I'm seeing people like on Instagram posting like, oh, my God, it's raining like crazy and I'm stuck. And I'm saying, like, I check the weather every day. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I understand it can be like somewhat unpredictable. But if I see that it's over like 50 percent chance of rain for a block of time, like that might not be the time that I go to the bar that I know doesn't have, like, a canopy or something, because not all of them do. I mean, you you got to understand now the government no longer giving them these loans. You know, these bars can only, like, if they can't afford a canopy, they can't afford a canopy. And, right. and so, like, they're really just scrapping together with, you know, what it's they... It's a strange new world, because up in New York, you're going to, it's going to get cold before you know it. And yep. I don't know what they're going to do then, but we don't have that problem here. No, I mean, you know, they're people can do the heat lamp thing but that's only so effective but i i also think people's need to go out will be stronger than their uncomfortability of being cold like i feel like you'll see people wearing like six jackets and you know many hats and stuff because they can't stand to be in their nine foot by nine foot closet that's their bedroom and yeah and well, so, plus, people are uh, social animals, so it's hard yeah. to not have that outlet. Right. Uh, especially if you live in a place where you're all in small apartments and you can't really invite a bunch of friends over right. to have a place to go hang out. But anyway, so we're doing we're doing fine here, and um, we uh, live uh, on the ocean, and there's a big lagoon. Mm-hmm. And part of the year, the lagoon is shut off by sandbars, you know, and then rains come and the sandbar gets washed away so even though it's kind of a crazy sight the attitude here is well, it happens every year and we clean up and mm-hmm. get some more palm fronds rebuild our roof and we're back in business it's um it's interesting no definitely, sure. di- <laughs> definitely different uh, yeah for sure i saw pictures and it looks really uh looks really incredible so uh this week this week has been a national convention it's that wrapped. It's that wrapped with the events in Kenosha. They've made me nauseous. All wrapped up in a pandemic. Yeah, and and well, I just I just mean the um, yes, obviously, with that as a, as a constant backdrop, and the fact that California is on fire, and we had a hurricane described as unsurvivable hit Louisiana and Texas, where I think already four people are dead. But if you don't want to feel bad, then you can watch the Republican National Convention because none of those things are happening. Right. Well, that's, I think, especially with the Kenosha event events, to have that 
I think to have the juxtaposition of these things happening in Wisconsin at the same time as the RNC is gross. To have, we'll just lay it out there, you know, what happened is early this week, a 29-year-old Jacob Blake was shot in the back seven times, which seven times? I think all the shots were fired by one officer. One officer. I'm not mistaken. One officer. Seven times. I mean, that's insane. And at point blank range. With his kids in the car. With his kids in the car. So to, so to my understanding, what happened is, you know, what I don't know why. There's a fight happening in public. And this is, this is my familiarity with the story. Is And you know what? And the story shouldn't even be that important. But for... You know, because no matter what, even if Jacob Blake was doing something wrong, he doesn't deserve to get shot seven times. That's insane. There's a fight happening. To my understanding, he doesn't want that type of behavior happening in front of his children. So he tries to break up the fight, which one could argue maybe he should have just driven away or whatever. But who knows? It, maybe it was instinctual. And then right. police arrive. And he said... And that's probably another part of the story is you want to break it up because you don't want the police to be there. He actually said he was relieved to see the police arrive because... That's, I mean, that's good. Because he said... Oh, Somebody shot him. Yeah, he said, good, like, they, now, they can do... They can now do my job for me and I can just leave. Right. You know, like, like he... Like, any rational human being... He was like, oh, good, you know. Like, great. Now, okay, I can let them know, like, this this is some crazy shit, and I'm just, let me just go home with my kids. But they started screaming at him like he was violent, but he was not. And so they're telling him, you know, I don't know, stand still, come toward... What They're giving him the classic aggressive cop demands. And I think, again, he was just like, man, fuck this. Like, I have my kids here. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just, I'm, we're leaving. Like, right. they have no right to keep me here. I was not the one fighting. Like, I, I didn't want... Really, I didn't want any part of this to begin with. Like, I'm, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And so as he turns around to go to his car, shot seven fucking times in the back. And I read, in 2020, police have killed 751 people so far. Wow. And there's only been 20 days this year that they have not. They can't stop. And and but, but it's it's interesting that um, I'm sure we'll get to it in a minute. But uh, the kid that opened fire at the protest later, he doesn't get shot. No, we'll, we'll we will definitely get into him. But uh, but there's a predisposition, which I guess is what we're getting at, and most most people know that if you're a person of color I don't know if the cops are afraid of people of color or what the deal is but it's like a different race of human in terms of the treatment that they receive and there was an interesting um, press conference today with the Duke basketball team Mm -hmm. and one of the players for Duke spoke and he had an interesting line he said this country has had a dagger in our backs and has yet to even acknowledge the dagger, let alone try to pull it out. Yes. I'm so impressed 
and enamored with a lot of these professional athletes right now who they're they they're boycotting and you know and they're i believe like foregoing their pay like ever like they're just stopping and they came out today that the NBA union is saying you know the only way we will resume is if you allow NBA arenas to be polling centers is yeah, one, I mean, it, I think the players one in of the steps. sports and in college sports are coming to the realization that they are the ones in power. Yes, because, you know, you, you look at a thing like, Fox, you know, Fox News, where it's like LeBron, so LeBron James speaks, you know, speaks, and he's he's been doing a lot, and as much as he, you know, he's he's definitely a leader in this, in, in this revolution, and... And and they, he, he gets told shut up and dribble, right? But now, right. when now that it's more than just him, and it's and it's the organization comes forward, you get Fox. Uh, Jared Kushner comes out actually and says, "Well, you know, may, it's just talk. If they maybe if they really came out with actual policy, you know, we would listen." And so I'm like, okay, it's you want them to shut up and dribble, or you want them to have a full plan to solve racism in America? Which is it? And he he is even he's so arrogant on top of that he came out and and addressed their uh, sitting out the first night that they didn't play and said oh well it's nice that they have the luxury yes. of making that much money that they can just take the evening off meanwhile luxury as if, as if they're just saying like oh we don't feel like going to work today and it's also luxury to be that they are literally the best at what they do in the world. And they have the luxury, if you want to call it luxury, to take the night off, but they also have the responsibility to make a statement, which is actually what they were doing. Correct. And and so, you know, it's... it's If taking, you know, taking a knee seemed too extreme, uh, and but not acknowledging it leads to things like this, where they're just like, well, fuck it, we're just not going to play at all. And, right, and maybe you'll notice us. And it's it's important, and I'm I'm really and to see, you know, the WNBA coming together too as a full frontal, you know, uh, as a front, and and yeah, and so, so Jacob Blake back to Kenosha. Yeah, Jacob Blake shot seven times in the back. He survived. That is not what they intended. I don't think. And so he's paralyzed from the waist down. They're not sure if that's permanent, but something that came out yesterday is he is handcuffed to his hospital bed. His father is asking the police department, why is my son handcuffed? And they won't tell him. They won't tell him whether or not he's arrested. And for what? Surviving? You're getting charged with the fact that we didn't kill you? Well, that's interesting. Did they charge him with anything? No, He's but he's being handcuffed. And so, as of now, it's it's we're not like they're they don't know what is happening. So before we get to, uh, I believe his name's Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Um. The night, the day after Jacob Blake is shot seven times in the back, they have the McCloskeys on the RNC the following day. Who the couple that drew their guns at the Black Lives Matter protesters 
I believe in St. Louis. Yeah. And so I feel like the hypocrisy there was it was too it was too much for to, for me to even handle. Well, it's not even a wink wink nod nod. Yeah. You know, it's not even like read between the lines. Right. It's we're you know, we're saying that we admire this couple. We think that what they did was a rational thing to do and something you know, their behavior was something to be admired and something to emulate. And they looked like lunatics when they were standing on their lawn with their guns pointing at a group of people that were just peacefully walking past. Yes. I mean, they looked like deranged lunatics. Right. There was nobody on... I don't understand the exact nature of that um, gated community community that they live in, but there was nobody on their lawn. They were walking past Correct. on the street or drive or whatever that was right in front of their home. And to somehow look out your window and see that group of people walking past and think that that was a call to go get your weapons and go outside and start screaming threats. I mean, what did they think, what good could possibly have come from that? If they were really afraid, why wouldn't they just call 911? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, too. And, you know, but you walk around, you have a bunch of hammers in your house, and the things you don't like all look like nails. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, when they spoke... It was, they were bitching and moaning about cancel culture, this whole cancel culture idea thing, where, oh, wah, boo-hoo, like, sad for you. Like, you pulled a bunch of guns on a bunch of people for no reason, and now you're mad that people are making fun of you? Like, it... Well, it just, it just shows that they're, like, weak people. But that's Trump's narrative. Yeah, well, is, he's a weak person, too. Correct. I mean, Melania, her, her speech was very bizarre, but, uh, I mean, part of me... I don't think she has, like, good character, but part of me does understand that I don't think she wants to be there at all. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's curious. It's, I mean, they, they apparently she cried on election night because she's like, you know, fuck, I can't believe, like, they're going to have to do this. Like, that being said, I don't think she has a good, you know, moral standing. I mean, she backed his... Uh, Trump's birther thing about Obama and, you know, and just she's done, she's just, I don't think she's a very good person but... I've read I've read a little bit about her um, biography and it sounds like she shares some common traits with Trump where her relationships are very transactional and when she was younger if there was somebody that could help her advance her career, mm -hmm. uh, she was you know, very friendly and nice and, and um you know, treated the person well, but as soon as she advanced beyond the point where she needed that person, she was very quick to cut him off. Right. And I think she saw in Trump somebody that would help her yeah. gain more power, money, whatever. But not have to stick around, though. I think that... Well, she... I think she got trapped into this whole presidency thing and... Right. You know, doesn't want to bail... They might have been... Oh, it. yeah. They might have... If he didn't win, they might have already been divorced. I mean... They, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, yeah, she, I think she saw someone that she was like, I can get some money and have like a prominent, quote unquote, prominent, you know, marriage, but he'll never interact with me. And so that's the yeah. perfect deal. And now she's forced to. Yeah. Do certain, have certain responsibilities that require her to be with him. Right. Right. She, I think, bats his hand away every time she goes, he goes to hold it. But... but but let's get back to Kenosha. So right. we have this situation, and, like, 
so many of these uh, situations where the protests have sort of organically occurred, then all of a sudden something happens where they go from peaceful to not peaceful. Right, and the and the headlines are so misleading, turns deadly. Okay, the protest did not turn deadly. A killer arrived to the protest. Right. Use your words right. You know, it's like they're calling him, un, you know, underage kid shoots to... They're, they're like, babying the headline. They're showing pictures of him washing graffiti off before he went to do it. And he's being held in a juvenile detention center. At least he has been apprehended, sure. But it's clear, once again, the race thing. Wasn't Trayvon Martin 17? I believe so. And Khalif Browder, who was 16, who was sent to Rikers Island for three years because they said he sold a backpack. And it was so bad that once after he was released, he killed himself. Yeah. And, you, you know, there's a there's a tweet or, or a, a picture going around showing the kid, you know, wiping off graffiti, as if that nullifies killing people. But, but it's a common thread with so many of these protests where, you know, the protest happens. It's a it's a spontaneous, you know, show of support, disgust, anger, frustration, you know, all those things that people want to come out and say, you know, once again, like, we can't take this anymore. We can't take this anymore. But then there's a certain number of people that are drawn to that to say, not necessarily to shoot somebody, but I'm going to go there and start busting up windows. I'm going to start, you know, spraying graffiti. I'm going to start damaging cars. And you find out that oftentimes those people are there specifically for that reason. They're not there because they agree with the cause of the protesters. They're there because they're trying to make the protesters look bad. Absolutely. And it's happened over and over and over. And then news sources like Fox will come on and say, you know, this protest occurred and two people were shot and killed or so mm-hmm. many buildings were damaged. Or, but they don't, they don't differentiate. It's like the protesters are protesting. Right. If you want to talk about looters or rioters or shooters or militiamen, those are not the protesters. Protest, right. protest. Looters loot. Rioters right. riot. Shooters shoot. Like, they're different groups of people for different reasons. And you can't say, oh, the protest turned violent. The protest was a protest until these other people showed up. Right. That's a, yeah, that's an excellent point. They, so this... But, mil- they, but they mix it all up into the same salad when they report it on the news. Right, because they, well, they want Black Lives Matter to be seen as a terrorist organization. And the whole Antifa thing, and then Antifa showed up. Like, can somebody please point me to the Antifa local chapter as, so I can go get their literature? As far as I'm aware... We're Antifa because all that means is you're anti-fascist. The fact that, I mean, it's another thing, it's another level, like, insane hypocrisy to look at us, to have the, pre- like, the presidential party, because now I'm not even sure to call them Republicans, but the Trumpians are looking at another political affiliation and saying, they're evil, they're against fascism. Like, wait. Right. What? I, I was reading a little bit about, you know, how Kyle Rittenhouse got involved. And, and so evidently, big, big Blue Lives Matter kid posted a bunch of pictures with his guns a lot. Classic, I mean, classic, all of them. Every white kid around, you know, young and deranged. The militia actually posts, I guess every police department has a public Facebook profile. 
and the militia that he was, I, I guess, affiliated with or, or met up with. I don't know if he was prior affiliated with the militia, but he definitely palled around with them once he got there. But the militia itself posted on the Facebook page of the Kenosha Police Department, um, like, we will be arriving to help maintain order and, like, law and safety. Please be advised we will be there patrolling. Which I would, I don't, you would imagine, like, that doesn't seem right. If you would imagine police, like, no, we have it covered. We don't need, you know, vigilantes to. Well, the police, some officers, not, I don't think it was official police policy, but some officers went up to the militia and gave them bottled water and yeah. said, thanks, we appreciate you being here. So I was, that's. I was going to get to that is they, okay. they, they. Kyle Rittenhouse, at, they asked Kyle if they needed water. So the police asked a 17-year-old with an AR-15 if, you know, they needed water. He said yes, and then they said, yeah, that you know, thank you for your service. We appreciate you being here. After curfew, mind you. Right. And so they run up into the protest. I believe there was another loud noise somewhere else, and so he shot somebody in the head. So, because that's the thing too, is people are like, anyone that says he acted in self-defense, no, because the picture that they're showing is when they finally got on top of him. That was after he shot somebody in the head. Right. Something happened to where he felt like he had to start shooting, whether it was a loud noise or just something totally insignificant that you should never react to in such a way. The thing that made him want to start shooting is he just decided now I'm going to start shooting. But something triggered in his brain to where he said, now I shoot. And he shot and killed somebody in the head. And then they chased him down. He tripped and he turned around and he shot the person on top of him in the chest, killed him. And somebody else got shot in the arm, but is luckily still alive. And then as the police are driving up to the scene, he is walking AR-15 around him, hands up. People are screaming, he's killing us, he's shooting us, he's killing us. Cops just let him walk right by. Right. And that's something that I want to see a real investigation of because, you know, and, I, and I've read a few things where people have tried this. Like a black guy shows up at a Walmart with a weapon like that and starts walking around. People are calling the cops left and right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if a white guy does it, how is it acceptable to the officers when all of a sudden something crazy is breaking out their shootings and there's people wandering around with automatic weapons right like how is that okay and and you could hear audibly people shouting he's shooting at us he's killing us and and back to his initial when he started shooting something clicked and triggered in his brain and he's like now i'll start shooting people and that's a dangerous fucking person and to be allowed to just be walked by and then, you know, he was apprehended, but I was... Peacefully, peacefully apprehended. Peacefully. But if, I, if, if that was a person of color inside an apartment and they knew that he had a weapon like he had and the cops showed up, do you think that they would have knocked on the door and said, hey, we're here to arrest you? No. Or do you think they would have busted the door down and just started shooting? Right. And, you know, pulled the body out. Meanwhile... Like the, the entire approach to it would have been different mean, yeah. if it was a different person. Yeah, because meanwhile, the boyfriend of Breonna Taylor 
who returned fire because he was acting in self-defense, they're like, well, he should have just listened. But this is the thing. People, you know, people listen to this that don't share our political beliefs or ideology or whatever you want to call it. Right. They're going to say, oh, it's, you know, like if, if a person just does what the police tell them to do. Breonna Taylor was person, asleep. You know, if a person just behaves properly, there's no systemic racism. There's no, you know, cops aren't racist. It's the behavior of the person. And you can just see how different people are treated differently. You know, Dylan Roof went into a church in South Carolina and shot and killed... Nine people. Nine. Or nine people. And, you know, they arrest him, put him in a bulletproof vest so nobody will bother him and take him to Burger King. And, you know, then Eric Garner is selling, you know... Lucy's. uh, Onesie... Uh, cigarettes outside a store and they choke him to death or George Floyd they sit on his knee till he dies right or you know Blake they shot him seven times with his kids in the car and either either, every one of them didn't do anything on any scale of like violent or aggressive no and you're not supposed to you're not supposed to shoot and kill peaceful people I mean excuse me well of course but you're not supposed to shoot and kill guilty people either and and if and if depending on your color of your skin, you have a much higher or lower likelihood of that happening. Right. And so, you know, I was speaking to, uh, I have a friend who, you know, who's in his final year of law law school, and he's really worried that this kid's going to get off. And if he does, I mean, the protests are only going to, I mean, the thing that makes, that I think made me feel so sick, especially yesterday, was... Needless death, how none of this should have happened, where the police didn't, should not have shot this guy seven times, should not have shot Jacob Blake seven times, and if they hadn't shot him seven times, I I mean, you can argue somebody like Kyle Rittenhouse, this was, he was going to do something regardless, but it just, just so quickly, people died for something that should have never happened. But I, I think that there's a real attitude of us versus them in the police department. Mm-hmm. And I don't know I don't know why that is. I don't know, you know how that's come to be. I mean, I think part of it that you and I have talked about before is you know you, the police go to training and the training is all of the best information they can put together to you know, tell an officer how they're supposed to de-escalate a situation and you know, skills they're supposed to use to mediate problems and, um, you know, try to get like a domestic dispute temperature down a little bit. But then they go out with their training officer and the training officer is like, hey, you know, everything you learned in school, forget it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you how it really works. Right. And then there's this us versus them mentality. When I get pulled over by a police officer, which luckily isn't, hasn't happened too often, you know, I'm like, oh, man, how much is this going to cost? You know, generally, I know I, I know what I've done. I've speeded or mm-hmm. something, and all right, let me get my license out. You know, man, I can't believe it. You know, so it never occurs to me that that's going to be, like, the last moment of my life. Yes. You know, yeah. that this is it for me. But the same officer that will approach me, you know, cautiously maybe, um, but just says, hey, I want your license and registration and insurance, you know, wait here. He might approach a person of color with his gun drawn, screaming, you know, put your hands up. Mm-hmm. You know, don't move, put your hands up. 
um, conflicting commands if you have two officers screaming yeah. your hands up and another one saying get out of the car right like that's an experience that really only people of color have and right. particularly men of color but people of color generally and then you have yet again you know an unarmed black person killed or shot he wasn't killed but shot and then you have on top of that the convention where it's basically not mentioned. No. What is mentioned is in Joe Biden's America, protesters will burn down the cities. All the things that they're showing videos of that are happening today, they say this is what's going to happen. Right. And also... Wait a minute. What's the cause and effect? The guy who's in there now. Right. And also what's happening right now is that the protesters aren't burning down anything, but rioters are, and that's happening in Trump's America. Uh, an article came out today, and I can't remember, I don't remember which uh, medium it was, but an article came out today that says white supremacist groups have significantly infiltrated most of the police departments in our country. And I believe it. That this has been the long, a long play of white supremacist groups are like, okay, you know, we can't walk around with a Nazi shirt. You know, we can't walk around looking like this or that. So what we can do is wear a plain shirt and, and apply to be in the police departments. And so they're they're signing up to be police officers and then re, rebanding. As yeah. and 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 you know, I need to dig further into that, but it's not surprising to me at all. I mean, the thing is, is what the chief of police in Kenosha said. So freaking despicable. The ACLU is calling for him to be uh, fired or him, him to resign. But he said, you know, those people wouldn't have been shot and killed if they weren't out past curfew. Meanwhile, yeah. the same police department gave Kyle Rittenhouse water when he was out past curfew. Right. But that's the us versus them mentality. The police officers, many of them, most of them, see, oddly, the guys carrying weapons that look the most menacing as their allies and the people that are just saying no justice, no peace as their enemies. Mm -hmm. And how does that happen? You know, is it an organized infiltration by white supremacist organizations? Is it the type of people that are attracted to that job because they think they can bully and boss people around? Is it some combination? Is it what they learn, you know, nature or nurture, they get on the job mm -hmm. from, you know, the, the veterans, like this is how you're supposed to act. You know, I've read things about officers complaining about how many, you know, domestic disputes they have to break up and how they're constantly being called to certain homes over and over and they just don't want to do that anymore. Okay, so why are the police departments doing that? Right. And when they talk about defund police, that's what defund police mean. It doesn't mean take away money from the police department and simply don't do all the things that get done. It means turn some of those things over to organizations that are better qualified to do that. Right. But there's definitely this us versus them mentality of police versus the citizenry, particularly people of color. Right. And, uh, yeah, and, I mean, the thing, you know, just one more example, and, and then uh, I want to talk a little bit about the RNC, but one more example is... And the, another thing. <laughs> the, the Aurora Police Department is the same police department that apprehended the Aurora movie theater shooter, the guy who thought he yeah. was the Joker or whatever. And, yeah. As if they're not all crazy. And they're the same police department that killed Elijah McClain. Right. 
the 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 young the small young kid who I, I was anemic or something, so that's why he was wearing a hood or you know. Yeah. Doesn't even matter. I'm just, I'm just different. You know, I'm just different. He, and like, like that. Why are you doing this? Pleading for his life. That story made me. I I. I I cried like hysterically actually reading it because he was telling the officers I still love you yeah and like you know that's so just what is, what is the weird you know power trip or the you know what what kind of gratification does a cop get by torturing and killing somebody yeah. like that they like, get, why are people like that police officer they gave him some they like forced so much ketamine into his system that it could like kill a horse or something it was crazy and, and yeah, and so, and then, the, but so the issue is, and this is going to kind of half step us toward the RNC a little bit, where, so you have the NYPD union has come out and endorsed Trump. Which is no surprise. Which is no surprise. And it's really coming down to, and this kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, big Trump guy, apparently he would uh, easily go off in school if somebody said something about Trump and he would scream and call them liberal snowflake and uh, you know Trump 2020 and just you know classic whatever and so what that shows me is this kid was poisoned Yeah. Donald Trump is poisoning people and yeah. it's come down to you know I I have a big um, interest in true crime I've been for fun you know researching and looking into you know cults and stuff for going on four years now and Donald Trump has he's a cult leader it's really what it's come down to well I it's interesting you say that because I was um, reading a book it's called The Program okay um, and it's about a guy named Keith Rainieri I'm not sure how to say his last name Rainier, Keith Rainieri Rainier. Nexium. yes yeah and one of the big things in his cult and it's similar to like Elon Hubbard Mm-hmm. where the members have to do what they call the Nexium pay tribute. Mm-hmm. So um, in all the places where they met, which it could be like a person's living room, it could be you know a Holiday Inn recruitment or mm-hmm. ballroom for recruitment, whatever, but they had to have pictures of this guy, Keith Rainier, hanging on the wall. And then all the people that spoke about the program had to start by talking about how wonderful Keith was yeah. and how smart he was and accomplished and all these things. And... Um, Keith Rainier was apparently a really smart guy. Like in in Adal, he was a very smart guy in terms of his IQ. It was like one sixty. Yeah, yeah. Ob- objectively, I think he wasn't. He was intelligent but, or something. But he lied and told everybody he was two forty. Yeah. And he played musical instruments, but he lied and he said he played like twelve. He was good at judo, but he lied and he said he was the national junior champion of his age group. And you look at Trump. And it's speaker after speaker gets up there and pays tribute to Trump. Trump is the best president we've ever had. Trump's the smartest president. Trump has, right. you know, resolved the coronavirus, blah, blah, blah. Trump himself talks about whatever his accomplishments are, his golf score. He never says what his golf score really is. He's probably a pretty good golfer. But he lies and he says it's like as good as Jack Nicholas or something. Yeah. You know, he talks about his business successes and he's had a lot of failures and a few successes, but he always inflates the successes. It's like every single thing. Right. He, he he's a cult leader. You're right. Yeah. He's a cult leader. Yeah. Uh, um, I follow a comedian who was involved in writing for the roast of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. um, which he said was like a, an 
very uh, inter- like it was very interesting to be a part of, and and they said you know they didn't care like so th- th- apparently the roastee has to approve of all the jokes. Right. And well, I think that's a modern development, but yeah. But yeah, but especially somebody like I think especially like somebody like him, you know. Right. And he was fine with the he wants to fuck Ivanka. That he was fine with all of that. Uh, he was fine with calling him racist or whatever. But something like they said uh, he only has like four million dollars, and he was like, "You got to say I have 10. And then they were like, <laughs> and then they were like, "What if we sit?" They're like, "Okay, what about six? And he's like, seven. And they're like, "All right, fine." And he's like, "Okay." So as because because yeah. that means the number is is clearly not true. Well, that's I'm talking about paying tribute. They always describe him as the billionaire Donald Trump. Do you think he's a billionaire? No. I'd be surprised if he has a positive net worth. Period. Right, and and so so as far as Kyle Rittenhouse is a murderer, he is a monster, and he should be in prison for the heinous heinous crimes he committed. That being said, Donald Trump is poisoning people's minds. Yeah. He, this kid thinks that he was doing this for Trump. Right. And the fact that, you know, and it all, it all ticks, every box ticks where Jim Jones convinced over 900 people in four hours to kill themselves. Donald Trump says over 180,000 deaths in six months is totally fine. It's the best in the world. Right. And to have also the Republican Party has abandoned they've rejected a new platform they have said they will not be they will not be creating a 2020 platform other than to just support the president right which I'm fairly certain I don't know this for sure but I'd go out on a limb and say that's never happened in our history of a country no I don't think there's ever been a candidate or a president like this. And that's very g- gross major one. and spineless. That's, I mean, to me, that makes me look at all of the Republicans. But it's not the party of Trump. I mean, I don't know who the delegates are that are serving the convention, if they're the typical delegates, like they've yeah. come in past years. But the representatives of the party at the highest level are not the same people. I mean, within the administration, it's, it's not wise men or women that served in past administrations that are coming to share their experience and help a new administration. It's people that best suck up to Trump. Right. Regardless of any expertise they might have in the area that they're appointed. You know, Ben Carson is secretary of HHS because he's a black guy. Right. Right. But, yeah, I mean, 50% of the speakers were, had, had the Trump name. And, and that's very culty. And the thing, too, is unlike... Because if anyone wants to argue, well, Biden had his kids up there. Okay, Biden had his kids up there to have, like, nice anecdotes about, like, like his grandkids. It was like a small segment of just... It was humanizing, like, our grandfather loves us so much, and he, he calls us so often we have to screen his calls. And because he just always wants to check in. And, like, that's, you know, that's... A, I've funny cute story or whatever and then if you want to argue when he was alive Bo Biden giving the speech it's whether or not his last name was Biden is almost uh, inconsequential he was the attorney general of Delaware 
as a Democrat and had every, any opportunity to be there no matter what. Right. But then to but have the, people, the Trump people, the Trump kids, well, Ivanka is serving as an employee of the government. Her husband is but, serving as an employee of the government. But, they should not be doing that. No, right. But even beyond that, to have somebody like Tiffany Trump or Eric Trump say, and our agenda, our family's political agenda, and I'm just like, our family's political agenda, that's like a scary sentence. Yeah, that's definitely like a North Korea type thing. That's very, because to me, I'm like, Tif like, Tiffany Trump, what, like, I'm not saying she shouldn't have had any, any involvement in the convention, but not in that capacity where she's discussing their family's political agenda. Right, I think to have somebody like that speak, as you said, you know, by his grandchildren about validating the character of my father, mm -hmm. my grandfather. I think that that's something that every candidate tries to do to humanize themselves, you know, even more so with candidates where right. it's, um, you know, rumored that not such good family people like Ronald Reagan had kind of an estranged relationship with two of his kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it was important for those kids to come out and say, you know, my dad's a good guy. Right. Um, but, yeah, to talk about policy is a different, you know, talking about our policy is a different Yeah, it was thing. the phrase of, like, our our agenda. And, right. and then, you know, and then to have, I mean, I'm just kind of rambling listing off just everything that was so alarming to me, but it was another thing of, not Pence's, like, formal speech, but the, 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 the talk that he gave on Tuesday, um, it was, it was so weird. It was, um, he was speaking. He eventually interviewed a, a, a kid, um, I believe, uh, with uh, a kid with special needs or disabilities. But first of all, Mike Pence said, you know, the only, which of course he did, the way to solve racial injustice is through Christian faith. So, great. He spoke, and there was weird theme music, like something out of the notebook or something, but like not, like, it was like the uplifting theme song that didn't get picked for a movie. Like, like it was too cheesy. Right. But so it was theme music, Pence speaking about Donald Trump is religious, and then just, like, pictures of Donald Trump by an American flag. Yeah. It was, like, very, very bizarre. And that was essentially the convention, is it was speaker after speaker in a, in a beige room with a podium, and then montage clips of Donald Trump... Existing. Well, a big theme that I noticed, or something that you know went through this convention from the beginning to end, is if you look at a normal politician, and Biden does this, and um, most politicians take, for example, when Biden was in this in the Senate. Let's say that there was a piece of legislation that passed that was very popular, mm -hmm. and, and um, he was a co-sponsor. Correct. And. You know, maybe um, he was on the fence. Maybe he wasn't sure he wanted to support it, but it got to the point where it was clear that it was going to pass, and so his vote really wouldn't make the difference whether it passed or not, and so he decided to sign on as a co-sponsor. Mm -hmm. And then the bill's popular, and later he's running for office, you know, re-election or another office, and he says, and I was a sponsor mm -hmm. of such and such a bill. Technically, that's correct. Right. He didn't write the bill. Maybe he didn't put his career on the line to stand for the bill. 
but technically, he was a sponsor. Sure. So you could say, hmm, I don't think that's exactly how it went, went down. Like, yeah, in the end, he was a sponsor, but he wasn't really, like, a guiding light for it. Right. The Republicans just lie. Yeah. They just say stuff that doesn't have any basis in the rea- in reality. So it's not like they're stretching a point and saying what is technically true, but they're exaggerating it to make it, you know, better on Trump. Right. They just lie. No, the fact... You know, Everything about the pandemic, about how he's been, you know, so far ahead of it, and <laughs> things would have been so much worse had he not been president. And any rational person that's been following it knows that that is 100% not true. But people haven't been following it. that watch this, and they think, wow, if Trump, Trump did all this stuff, man, if he wasn't president, it would have been way worse. Right. It scares me. That does scare me as well, because I think... With him at the helm, we're headed somewhere dangerous to have, you know, him say, you know, I was the first person to ban travel from China. And, like, the thing is they were trying to pose him as a decisive and effective leader where really really the reality is he played on the sideline and argued about inconsequential stuff until it was too late and he had to sign on to... Just he was always late to the party, and then did the bare minimum, if the right thing at all, which I can argue right. that he pretty much never did. It took him until July to say wearing a mask is important. Okay, and then you look at his his acceptance speech last night, Thursday night. Yeah. He had I don't know how many people were in that crowd, but it was a pretty large fifteen hundred. It was hard to find a mask. Fifteen hundred people. Okay. Definitely not socially distanced in terms of and, the seating setup. Almost no masks. And they're saying that none of them were even tested. I know. I, didn't, I heard that some, but not all. But regardless, and it's like back to the Kenosha shooter. He thought he was doing it for Trump. You know, Trump either is ignorant to the fact that he has that effect on people, he doesn't care that he has that effect on people, or he likes that he has that effect on people. But he is, he is telling people... It's okay to go to a uh, protest and shoot somebody, mm-hmm. or it's okay not to wear a mask, not to socially distance, not to follow the CDC guidelines, which, by the way, are, that's a whole other story. But yeah. um, he's he is he's dangerous. Yeah, like you said that earlier. He's dangerous. He's dangerous, and I am curious to see in two weeks how many people in that crowd might turn up positive. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see about that. Um, another thing that just speaks to his narcissism and it's kind of just the umbrella over all of this is he spoke for an hour and ten minutes. I couldn't. I couldn't watch it last night. I I didn't watch. I didn't. So wa- I, I didn't. But I made myself made myself sick over breakfast and I listened to half of it and then I took a break. Yeah. No. I listened to the other half and man, it just makes smoke come out your ears. Right. He, uh, yeah, he spent a lot of time talking about the border and just, th- it's, it's all these things that he won't... But, I mean, we could spend a whole hour talking right. about the lies about the border. Yes, yeah, I mean, we he could. He just throws out these facts about, you know, so many miles have been built, you know, it's, it's going to be done. The right. vaccine's a whole other story. There's going to be, you know, it started earlier in the week, we're making great progress on therapeutics and vaccine mm-hmm. research to, and saying 
know, there's a good chance we might have a vaccine by the end of the year, to Trump saying we are definitely going to have a vaccine by the end of the year and maybe sooner. Right. And, and with but how many people believe that? Well, also, the thing that would kind of scare me is for the C- So the CDC, uh, Dr. Fauci was undergoing surgery, and then Trump, the administration, muscled the CDC into saying that you, you probably don't or shouldn't get tested if you're not uh, symptomatic. Fauci comes out of anesthesia and is like, what the hell? Just like, what? No. Like, and that's a total, that is a total um, abuse of power. And I mean, that's like mob, like, that's like how the that's mafia like- operates. It's exactly how the mob operates, because he never calls anybody over there and says, change the guidelines. Mm-mm. He just tweets criticisms and mocks the person and makes all kinds of, you know, chaos. And then eventually the person in charge, if they're not strong enough, they say, you know what, if I just change this, he'll get off my back and my right. life will be easier. I'm curious with Fauci back if they'll, if they'll roll, if they'll go in the other I direction. I think at this point, I would not be shocked at this point if Trump fires Fauci. Right. And, and I don't also, think Fauci would quit, but I wouldn't be surprised if they fired him and then, killed him. Yeah, and then I would be... I don't, I don't really mean that. No, I know, I, I know. Um, I, I don't think I do. <laughs> I would also be worried if, with, with Trump's hostile takeover of the CDC, then I would be frightened if all of a sudden next month there was a vaccine. <laughs> because right. I well, would who's just... Gonna, I mean, who's... I read something about uh, trial vaccines are having a hard time getting enough people to sign up, particularly people of color, which yeah. when I never thought about it that much. But when I was reading the article, it was talking about you need representative samples of the population because depending on your ethnicity, your background, you know, it's like sickle cell anemia, you know, attacks black people more than white people. Mm-hmm. We're all humans, but for some reason that's the case. So when they develop the vaccine, they want to be able to test it on men and women and, and black people and Asian people and, you know, make sure that it works for all groups. Right. And they're having a hard time getting people of color to sign up, but I'm thinking, like, no shit. Yeah. Would you? Right. I mean, that's the thing is it's if, if it happens too quickly and under Trump, I would almost assume that it's not effective. And Right. It's a political thing. Like, hey, take this... Uh, you know, hydroxychlorine thing yeah. that I'm calling something else and right. telling you it's a vaccine. Like, I wouldn't trust it. No, yeah. And and so, basically, the takeaway from the RNC is they are blatantly lying. They are essentially calling him our glorious leader. They are saying, you know, he shits gold and that we should just be so thankful for him. Also, one of the stock footage of things that were on fire was from Spain. And oh, really? yeah, like a lot, some like a bunch of footage that they were showing of quote unquote what will be Biden's America was from uh, was from a Catalonian section in Spain where they're having you know political issues over there. But how does how does he constantly get away with talking about things like this will be Biden's world? Like so many of these things are just like psychological mysteries that I don't understand. Where you know he can talk about this will happen. If I don't get reelected, and he shows you what is happening, well, that's and you know you can look back at okay, well, when Biden was president or vice president and Obama was president, it's a pretty easy time, you know, like life wasn't perfect, but it wasn't like this. Well, right, and I think that you know now that 
I've already seen, you know, one day after the RNC and already today, I've seen an aggressive amount of more Joe Biden ads. And I think from what I'm gathering from that, the, the strategy was just let them give them their four days, let them lie for four days straight, just be just blow it all out. And now I'll be able to try to use everything that they said against them. So because, for example, today I saw a brand new ad. Um, showing from Joe Biden's Instagram uh, showing you know the evolution of all of the countries that have banned America and it says right. you know you know Trump couldn't build a wall but through his policy the world has built a wall around us and and he is like targeting like like there's another ad that he says the Biden America that he's telling you to worry about is the America Trump gave you you know, and I told you that I will be here to help you in, in your soul and things like that. So he's, I think yeah. his campaign was just waiting for them to just shut the fuck up after four days. And now they're going to hammer, 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 hammer heavy. Well, Kamala Harris gave a speech yesterday that I thought was very good. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw it in the afternoon before the Republican convention started last night. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought her speech was. I thought it was very effective, and she really called out a lot of the lies that the Republicans are telling, but also talked a lot about the vision that they have for their yeah. administration. But it just scares me that people who are not, you know, followers of politics and current events, but identify as Republicans, maybe didn't tune in last week at the Democratic convention and tuned in this week. And I mean, I don't understand how somebody could be under a rock so much, but I think there are a certain number of people that don't really pay attention and they're going to watch that and they're going to be like, wow, you know, he's done a lot of good stuff in the last four years, three and a half years. Right. Definitely need him back. If we have Biden, I have seen things on the news where people claim they're worried about the suburbs and, you know, chaos and anarchy and all this. I'm like, God, it's just such bullshit. But well, that's, I mean, that's the thing is what we have to hope for is more the only way Biden is going to win, truly, I think, is if more people that are on the fence just can't stand Trump's morals anymore, or the fact that he doesn't have any, and yeah. that just more people are like, he's such a bad guy, like, I just can't, it's so, like, because to me, it's personal now, and if you look at him and can forgive him for his character, then I can no longer respect that person. And yeah, because because the the thing is, you know, the people on the far right, the Trumpians or whatever, the Trumpers, are trying to call out the progressives and say, you know, it's it's us versus them, like it like it's uh, it's you versus me, where the people on the left are saying, no, you freaking idiot. What it is is we are asking for equality, which you are included in, and you are choosing to not want that which makes me question your ethics because if you are screaming back that you are refusing equality for all and the betterment for all then I do not think you're a good person and I don't understand I think if somebody can look at Donald Trump and say he is a good person then I cannot respect that person who says that anymore I just can't it's personal now yeah and and what I'm hoping there's also some things that are I think are hard because there's things like the Confederate monuments that were existed throughout and the uh, person's 
entire life, and they're used to seeing them, and they're beautiful statues, and a person maybe has a certain pride or affinity for the myth of Robert E. Lee or whatever. And you don't see it with the eyes of a person whose entire ancestral history right. is you know, suppressed and denigrated and enslaved by what that statue represents. And now they're saying, like, I can't believe these you know, people tore down my statue. And yeah, I guess I kind of understand maybe the point. But still, just leave it there. It's really pretty. It's nice. It's always been there. And, you know, we like it. And there's just not a recognition. It's like the uh, basketball player from Duke who I quoted about having the dagger in, in, the, in his back. And not only is it not being pulled out, they're not even acknowledging that it's there. Right. First of all, Hurricane Laura toppled that Confederate moder- monument in Louisiana, which was, I thought, interesting, because they had voted to keep it up, and then the hurricane ripped it out. But no. did you see that? I did not. There was a, a town in Louisiana that voted for, like, for keeping the statue up, like, no. not too long ago. And then Hurricane Laura, like, from its base, just ripped it from the ground. Right. Which, I, I don't know if you believe in signs, but that, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and, and so there's just so many things, you know, back to them feeling like, you know, the right feeling like it's us versus them, where we're saying, only if you make it that. Only if you make it so. Because, you know, they say, you want to, you know, Trump's saying, you want to destroy our history. You want to, you know, destroy our history. And we're saying, no, we want to be aware of our mistakes, honor the people that brought us past those mistakes, and then learn from them in a proper way. Well, you want to... There's a problem even in that statement where honor our history. History is a fact. Mm-hmm. There is no our history. So when they talk about honor our history, they're talking about the fable of their history. Right. Not the actual history. True. True. And that comes just from, okay, just we need to learn about it. That's important. Restructure education and, and make sure the proper history is being taught. You know, they say, we want, you want to take all our guns away. No, that is a lie. That it, We do not want to do that. The guns you have are the guns you have. What we do want to do is make sure that it is harder to obtain a gun and also to just get rid of assault rifles altogether because they are dangerous and they're only there to kill people. You know, and it's just, so it's all these things of... They scream a blanket statement, and we say, like, no, that's not it at all. We just want equality and justice for all. We we want what the country says we're supposed to do. Right, and Democrats have lost so many elections that way because there's black and white and there's gray. Right. And most, most things happen in the gray. Right. And, you know, a Democrat, you know, John Kerry famously said, um, I was, I forget if it was for or against. I was against the war before I was a for, for the war, or I was for the war before I was against the war. And it sounds like the stupidest comment in the world. But if you hear the entire clip, mm-hmm. it explains how his beliefs evolved. Right. And, you know, the Republicans are great at black and white. Everything is black and white. Things are right or things are wrong. Right. And the Democrats always get into trouble when they're like, well, it's, it's complicated. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's complicated. Let's discuss it. No, no. Right. Can't discuss it. It's, you're going to take away all my guns. Right. 
or none of my guns. You're going to make everybody have abortions, or nobody can have abortions. Right. And then you know, to, it's like, but wait a minute, the world lives in the, in between those extremes. And to paint Joe Biden as this socialist, far radical left monster is ridiculous and asinine. He is, I mean, he's particularly since the socialist radical left people don't really like it. Right. And, I mean, you know, things like defunding the police, he is, I think, going closer to looking into it, but he still has not endorsed it as an idea. And but again, that's a discussion. That's, like, a complicated issue. Right. But right. is it defund the police? So the police get nothing? Right. Or they get what they get today or more? And it's like, well, no. It's, like, in the, like, it's in the middle. It's, it's the difference between blindly following and thinking for a second. And... So we have a situation where there's a cult in charge of the country for the moment, and they spent four days, they have no problem lying. Donald Trump does not care if we live or die, truly. We have a candidate running on the other side, Joe Biden, who truly wants the American people to have a voice again. And I'm not saying he'll be, he's definitely not going to be perfect, but he is going, he is going to allow us to hold him accountable. Electing him is step one. Yes. Elect him and then continue and then elect locally so that your progressive delegate, your progressive, you know, people can put his feet to the fire like he is asking us to do. Right. And so what we have to do, eyes on Kenosha, folk, you know, keep keep marching, keep fighting, justice for Jacob Blake. And, and the and the long list of names that is now infinite and in, in, infinite hopefully the ACLU can help and the and the protesters and Black Lives Matter movement and we can help continue to we have to continue to be loud and we have to continue to educate on how to vote and what I'm hoping for is that there are just a, there are enough this sounds sad that it's this base but there are enough people that just can't handle Trump anymore I'm, ho- I'm hopeful that the um Debates will expose who Trump really is and show who Biden really is. Yeah. Um, and that Biden can shake this reputation as somehow, or not reputation, but what the Republicans are trying to do is paint him as being just a senile old man. And I hope that his performance can show that he's not, and maybe he stumbles over his words from time to time, but not his thoughts. Right. And it will show that you know Trump is not equipped to discuss anything in any kind of detail. That it's all slogans and and right. cultish behavior. Right. I'm really hopeful that the debates will show that. We'll see. I mean, I think I think the the vice presidential debate is going to be a very positive thing for for the left, um, just because Kamala is educated and trained in arguing. I mean, she was a, yeah. a attorney general of the largest state in the country, and you know, and whether or not you agree with her conviction rate or you agree with how she went about the job, traditionally, just as the job, she is one of the greatest prosecutors. As far, not saying greatest as in you agree with how she prosecuted, but a, but just the ability to do the job. She was com- very competent. She was one of the, you know, most, uh, uh, yeah, competent ones we, you know, have had. And so, 
she, and Pence does not know that game. He doesn't know how to shake somebody up, and I think he is going to look very shaken up. I think he may come off as condescending, but we'll maybe explore the debates a little bit as they get closer. But I am hopeful that they'll uh, right just show people because no matter who you support, if you're starting to tune in at all, you're going to tune into the debates and you're going to see both of them, both of them perform. Yes. So I'm hopeful that the, the smoke that was blown during the RNC fades a little bit. And then, because essentially they had a parade for four days. They, they can't have that anymore for the rest of this time. And then their reality of how they run is still going to be consistent. And so we're going to see, like, they just congratulated themselves for four days straight, but we're still a mess. You know, pe the unemployment rate, people don't have any money. People are getting sick. You know, it's just, it's... I would like to see more discussion of the extended unemployment and what, I mean, nothing is happening right now, but right. something needs to happen. I mean, another million people filed in the last week reporting. Um, I think it's been over a million every week, but one going back to something like April. Right. Um, and some a few times way more than a million, but... That needs to be addressed, and I'm afraid that the current president is not going to address it at all. No, I, I don't. No, I don't think so. I mean, the thing that's hurtful is, you know, uh, it is places like New York and New Jersey and things where it was just now kind of safe enough to go to your local spots and, and outside, social distance, wear a mask, but you're still able to begin to, you know, go and go to, go to a place and have a drink or something or ha and support your local business. But when they took this money away, well, now we can't. And we've seen almost a 50% decrease in local spending across the country. And, and you know, so now these, these, comp these businesses, these local businesses that were barely staying afloat because people were, had money to live and they were able to support locally... Now that money was taken away, and we're going to see businesses having to close permanently. Yeah, and for the Republicans, the Republicans didn't speak to that that I saw at all. No, and and so you know, I went to on Wednesday night. I went to a local spot of mine that I enjoy with my friend, but I'm firmly aware that's like the only time that I can for okay for the next two weeks I can't. Right. And I spent thirty dollars, like <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's troubling. And so something positive that we can try to do is continue to spread information on how to vote, continue to, you know, I had a conversation with a friend who is not, he's one of those people that um, is more political, like, he thinks he knows more about politics than he actually does. Not to fault him, it's just... You know, he's like... Just in case he's listening. Well, no, but it's like, you know, he's <laughs> like... Joe Biden seems a little scary. And he's not voting Republican, but he's one of those... He was considering third party. And so I took the time where I talked to him, and I just talked about Biden's character. And, like, you know, his just his history and things like that. And things that, you know, the, the ugly that needs to be exposed, sure. But also, you know, showcasing kind of what the convention did, showcasing his character of saying, like, he, he's a true American, and he really, he's trying to help. And I'd rather have somebody who's trying to help than somebody who's actively killing us. And 
And then at the end of the conversation, my friend was like, you know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about that about Joe Biden. Yes, I'll, I'm going to vote for him, and I do, and I believe he will. And so, it's ta- it's taxing and it's tedious, but having more of these conversations is very important because that's a I just got a vote. Yep. I just earned another vote for the for the people that are going to help. And so, having important discussions, being aware watching things that are happening in Kenosha, speaking up, and just showcasing the fact that our president is a liar, and we should not have a liar in that seat. And that's what we have to do. Well, I had a piece of positive news um, that my aunt uh, in Virginia found in New Yorker magazine and shared with me, but you and I used to live in North Carolina, uh, 11th District, which was the home of Mark Meadows, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, and and uh, we I lived in you didn't live in Brevard, but I lived in Brevard, North Carolina, which is in Transylvania County. Mm-hmm. And Brevard was a small town that had a pretty liberal streak to it, similar similar to Asheville, where you lived. Right, right. And uh, you know, so the the government of the city of Brevard was pretty reflective of the liberal attitude of the people in Brevard. Um, but the county of Trans- Transylvania County was not. Very much Transylvania not. Transylvania County was very red, and the commissioners in Transylvania County bordered on the kooky, a uh, little tinfoil hat uh, to most of them. Okay. Uh, so when the elections came around, typically it was Republicans runner- running unopposed or Republicans against other Republicans. So if there was two open seats, maybe there was three people running, but they were all Republicans. Right. So we, we would typically vote for a commissioner by who we thought was the worst, or maybe just leave that vote completely blank, depending on who was running. Not all the seats turned every year, so it was usually just one or two. Who you thought so was anyway. the who you thought was the worst, as as in like you like least likely to get elected still. Or no, I, I meant to say who was the least worst. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So somebody that we could live with. Sure. We would vote for even if we didn't agree with every. Right, right, right. Anything, um, or if we couldn't find anything positive about one of them, we just wouldn't vote for any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in any event, two that we had voted for, a guy named Mike Hawkins and a, late, a woman named Paige Lamel, who were Republicans, but not extreme. Right. Um, they have come out along with a third, uh, I think it was a third commissioner, who was a Republican, and they've all resigned from the Republican Party. Wow. Uh, that, that they were going to um, support Biden, and that they just couldn't—they couldn't stand Trump. Right. The whole, their entire reason for deciding to drop out of the Republican Party was Trump. Now, unfortunately, Mike Hawkins and Paige Lamel are running for re-election, and there's Republicans running against them now. And they, even though they've both served for a long time, uh, they're probably not going to win re-election. But they both have resigned themselves to the fact that that's okay. Right. I mean, there's more important. Yeah, you know, their legacy was more important, um, but I guess just my point of positivity there is that was pretty shocking news to me. Not that I personally knew them, but I knew of them, mm-hmm. and um, you know I knew what they stood for and believed, and so right. I kind of felt like I knew them a little bit. And the fact that they had the courage to do that in Transylvania County, where they probably lost most of their social circle yeah. as a result of that decision I thought was potentially a good sign and the article was about the Republicans quitting the party and it focused on them but it wasn't just them 
Right. So, you know, if there, if there are some people out there that feel that way, that's that's good. That is, and that's more of a, I mean, that's what's, that's what's, what I'm hoping is, I have to question someone's character if you can look at Donald Trump and think that he is good and doing good. I really have to question your character, and what I'm hoping is more and more people who voted for him the first time are now, like, kind of saying, like, man, it really did not turn out the way I thought it was. Yeah. I can't stand looking at him. He's clearly not a good person, and... Even if there, you know, even if this specific voter's, you know, voting history has been read all the way through, what I'm hoping for is maybe they're calling themselves into question of being like, you know, the shade of red that he is is not the shade of red that I'm familiar with or comfortable with anymore because I can't, his character or lack of character is starting to scare me and maybe I can live with Biden. I know that that's like a sad thing of Biden can, Biden's going to win for people just saying I can live with him, but... I, what I'm hoping is Trump's lack of character and Biden's uh, Biden's showing of character is going to have some people transfer, and I'm hoping that yeah. more people vote for him than voted for Hillary, which I believe will happen. And we've already seen staffers from over 350 staffers from uh, McCain uh, when he was, you know, when he was alive. Um, so people who were staffers of him. George W. Bush and Mitt Romney, over 350 staffers, they've all endorsed Biden. Um, and so we're seeing we're seeing that trend and what I'm hoping for, especially after the debate, too, is maybe another showcase of Trump's just complete lack of character, uh, is we'll see even more people be like, I just I just can't. He's just not a good guy. And and Biden at least is talking about ways that he's trying to help. And so I got right. I got to go with him. One final point I was going to make was I never understood it, but there was a fair number of people that were Obama voters that switched to Trump. Right. I don't know if they just got caught up in the whole hoopla of Obama and liked him and voted for him, and then got caught up in the hoopla of Trump mm -hmm. and voted for him. But there were, I think, a sizable number of people that voted Obama and then voted Trump. I don't see. I, I can't imagine there being any measurable number of people that voted for Hillary that will vote for Trump this right. time. Right, 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 right. I think, you know, if the same, if the people who voted for Hillary come out and vote um, for Biden, and then we can gain a few more people, we already had more votes. Now it's just we need more votes in the right place, right, the right places, you know, Michigan, Ohio, Florida. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm hoping that all the people that voted for Hillary come out and vote again and vote the way I would expect. Right. We can just pick up a few more in other places. But right. Well, anyway. So we got to just keep paying attention and keep fighting. This is when the fight gets hard or continues to get harder. Keep telling people how to vote and keep trying to keep the faith and stay hopeful. Because when you say tell people how to vote, you mean how to go about voting, not who to vote for. Yeah, I sh we should also encourage to vote for Biden. You should encourage vote. <laughs> And, but then also explain, you know, you can mail or you can go wear a mask or drop it off at your county board of elections. All right, well, stay hopeful, and we'll catch up with you all next week. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. All righty, thanks. Yep.